Welcome to the All Saints Community Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community of worship and formation on mission with Jesus. We are committed to being rooted in the scriptures and the historic Christian faith and to kingdom life in the power of the Holy Spirit. As you listen, may you be encouraged and empowered to know the Lord Jesus and make him known. For more information on who we are, visit allsaintsokc.org or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at ASCCOKC. We encourage everyone to bring your own Bible. Not just the Bible on your phone, but bring a hard copy. Get used to spending time in those pages. If you need a Bible, there's pew Bibles in front of you, maybe under the seat in front of you. Again, glad that you are here. We've got our groups underway right now. We also want to uh, connect with you. So if you are visiting or maybe you've come a few times and you want to learn more about the church, we want to learn more about you. We want to help you connect with other people here, learn about our small groups that meet during the week, learn about events that are happening in the church. So there is a connect slide. Can we put that up there real quick? Winning the war of the mind. So you can see that number up there, and we would love to learn more about you and help you connect with all saints. You can text CONNECT to that number there, ending in 658838. Boy, glasses time. I did get new glasses, but I'm not wearing them. Is that 6538? Okay, hallelujah. It's only in 52 font, and I can... So most of the time during the year, we work through a book of the Bible, and we usually go chapter by chapter, and because we love a word of God, and we love to spend time in it and let it go to work on us, and we prize every word of scripture, and it's a value of our church, and that's the case when we come together on Sundays and during the week. We want to be people of the book, and oftentimes at the end of the year, we revisit our mission, our vision, our values, and we make space for some shorter series, which is what we've been doing in recent weeks. And so we just looked for a couple of weeks that Jesus brings deliverance. And then today we're going to look at a related topic called winning the war of the mind. And I just want to say there is not a single person here or in your life or in America, or in the world that this message does not pertain to. I mean, if you are not winning the war between your ears in this space here, in your heart, you're not winning. You are taking it on the chin. And so today we're going to look at some really practical things about how through the grace of God, it's not left up to us, we cooperate with God's grace, how in the world can we have victory in our mind? And we're going to look briefly at what the war is, we're going to look at our weapons, 
And then we're going to end by looking at the fact that our victory in Christ Jesus is assured. Right? We're going to look at some practical things. So, Lord, we come to you, we come to your word, and we ask for you to instruct us and form us through the power of the Holy Spirit. We come expectant. Every time we open this book, we expect to encounter the resurrected Lord Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So friends, let's look at the reality that we are in a war. We are in an extended spiritual war made up by daily battles. And we've talked about this quite a bit. This war is already won by God for Christians. If you were in Christ, through his life, his death, his resurrection, being united with him, the war is won. Is that right? The war is won already because of the life of the Lord Jesus and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But we live in between times. And we talk about this picture, this word picture all the time. In 1944, the end of World War II, in June, the Allied troops stormed the beaches at Normandy with over 200,000 people. And they defeated the Axis powers at that point. Historians say at that moment, in June of 1944, World War II was decided. It was over. But it took 11 months. It was May of 45, following D-Day for V-Day to come, the day of victory. And so, friends, we're in a similar time here. Our D-Day has happened. The Lord Jesus Christ has come He's died, he's been raised, he's ascended to the right hand of the Father, the Spirit has been poured out, but we live in this in-between times, the kingdom already and the kingdom not yet. What's interesting is the battles that are being fought are not over soil necessarily, they're over minds and bodies. The spiritual battle right now is you and me, the human terrain, that is what the enemy wants to bring under his dominion. More specifically, look at 2 Corinthians 10. I'm going to show you this in the scripture, 2 Corinthians 10. More specifically, the spiritual war is happening in our minds. That's what we're going to talk about today. 2 Corinthians 10. I'm going to read this, verses 3 through 5. And the apostle Paul is talking to the church at Corinth in his second letter. many of them new believers and he's telling them you have got to through the power of the Holy Spirit pay attention to what is happening in your mind and your heart that is where the war is being waged 2 Corinthians 10 3 to 5 and listen to what the Apostle Paul says indeed we live as human beings but we do not wage war according to human standards. For the weapons of our warfare are not merely human, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. Look at what he says here. We destroy arguments and every proud obstacle raised up against the knowledge of God. 
And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. So friends, there is a war on right now. There is a war that is happening. It's waging over our minds. And scripture is filled with this. We're just looking at one verse. But I also want to talk to you about what the early church fathers said. Those folks that were living three, four hundred years after Christ who just poured over the scriptures. They prayed the Bible. They showed the church how to apply the Bible. And these early church fathers talked about the fact that scripture teaches we are created in the image of God. There is something that God has put inside of us that allows us to interact with God. Scripture teaches this in the Old Testament. You can see, typically, the Old Testament says that we're body, we're matter, we're material, but there's something in us, soul or spirit, that God has breathed into us so that we can have a relationship with God. The Apostle Paul, you can look at this later, but 1 Thessalonians 5.23, he talks about us being made in the image of God as spirit, soul, and body. So the scriptures teach a twofold approach to that and a threefold approach. And the point is we, are, we have bodies, we are bodies, and there is something immaterial inside of us that God has put there for us to have a relationship with him, to relate spiritually with God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Two words we're going to learn today. One is noose. Say that together. Noose. N-O-U-S. Look at 1 Corinthians 2.16. I'm going to show you one place here where this word, noose, that means mind, literally, but it's much more than that. We're going to unpack exactly what this word noose means means you there first corinthians 2 16 paul is quoting from the old testament he's looking at the church at corinth and he says he's teaching them about the working of the spirit the battle that's going on over them and he says at verse 16 who has known the mind of the lord so as to instruct him but we have the mind or the noose of Christ. Friends, if you are a Christian, God is working the mind of Christ into your life. And it is a, pro- a process. It is a battle. It is a war. And your noose, your God-given capacity to have a relationship with him, is being transformed so that you, in fact, can have a relationship with him. You know I love the scriptures and I love the early church fathers and they write a great deal about the noose. So in the coming days, I want us to be thinking about the noose, the gift from God that you and I have in order to relate to him. It's a great mystery and so... The authors in scripture and the early church fathers use different words interchangeably for it, and it means all of those things. Paul says in Ephesians 1.18, he talks to the church and he says, I want the eyes of your heart opened to the glory of God. 
That's the noose, something in our hearts, something in our spirit, a spiritual capacity to encounter God, to know God, to look upon God. And friends, I tell you today that your noose is under battle. It is in battle. I put a simple chart up here I wanted us to look at because I want you to leave today thinking about the gift that God has put in you as his image so that you can have a relationship with him. Look at this. I was trying to picture this for you visual folks down at the bottom. That is the spiritual capacity that God has given you to interact with him. Your noose, the mind of Christ that's being worked into you. And if you look left, you can aim that noose, the mind, at the world, all of the sinful passions, and they will go to work on you. This right here is a noose distraction machine. Why do you think the enemy is doing everything that he can to put things like this? Now, this can be a positive thing sometimes. It can be used for the advancement of the gospel and healthy communication. But by and large, that is not what the human race is using this for. This is a noose-distracting machine. And I was having a conversation with one of the young adults this week about this. And it is an assault on us from every direction so that our noose the mind, the spiritual mind, the spiritual capacity, the heart that God has put in you, the enemy does not want that looking upon the right things. The enemy wants to put before you everything he can to distract you. Some things are neutral, some social media distractions, some things not so neutral. The enemy is bringing pornography and breaking the dam open over the human race so that people have their noose aimed in the wrong direction, riddled with addiction, clouded and unable to perceive and interact with God. So if you look on the right here, if you're aiming your noose, and that's a symbol for the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, this morning together we are directing our noose toward God in worship looking upon him with the eyes of our heart, seeking to encounter him, to receive from him, to know him. That is what our noose is created for. Amen, church? I know these are some new words, but I want to put them in the environment here. I want you to be thinking this week and the next week about the beautiful thing that God has given you if it's aimed properly. Now, it becomes a whole life of stewardship to steward your noose, to look upon God and receive from God and to turn away from the things that attack you. A second word I wanted to introduce, look up here. See that weird word? It looks like logismoi, it's actually logismi. It's a New Testament word and these are the fiery darts of the enemy. So if you are aiming your noose at the world, and the spiritual passions and all of those things that are beckoning you all the time, you are being hit with fiery arrows. You are saying yes to that. You are opening yourself up to attack from the enemy. Those little logismi. Can we say logismi? Logismi. 
right? These are words straight from scripture, noose and logismi, and I promise you those are the only two new words, but I want you sometimes if we use words that are unfamiliar to us, it's more memorable. And so the noose, the mind of Christ that God is working into us, and then the attack of the logismi. Now what I want us to do is spend most of our time looking at our weapons. Many of you can tell me in Ephesians 6, what does Paul describe in Ephesians 6, 10 to 18? Along the lines of our weapons, what is it there that Paul is unpacking for the church, for the believers? The full armor of God. It's a head-to-toe protection in this battle. We're more familiar with this, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the shield of faith, the shoes of the gospel, the sword of the spirit. And Paul says elsewhere in Romans 13, it is like you are putting on Christ. You put on this armor and you are appropriating, you're laying hold of all that Christ is for you and all that he's done for you and you are putting it on just like you would put on armor or clothing and you must do that in battle. But I wanna look at a few other weapons that we've talked about before but I want them to be something that we practice regularly. We practice daily. We practice weekly. And I've shared in some small groups. We've got a small group of high school guys meeting with Harrison and Brandon, Braden and me. And we have been looking at these practices. The first is called watchfulness. Look at Proverbs 4.23 in your Bible. Proverbs 4. 23, this is a weapon in the battle that is life-changing and immensely practical. Proverbs 4, 23. I've got it up here on the slide, and I like the New American Standard Bible, the version here, speaking about the weapon of watchfulness as you watch over your noose, the spiritual eyes of your heart. Listen to what it says. It says, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Look at Matthew 26, 41. This is the Lord Jesus just before the cross. He's with his disciples in the garden praying, and he speaks of watchfulness, the weapon of watchfulness. Matthew 26, 41. The Lord Jesus tells his disciples there, and he means this at that moment, but he also means to make this a practice, a habit in their lives. He says, keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. Friends, you are in a battle, and you can either watch over your heart, or you can choose not to. You can watch over the eyes of your heart, watch over and guard your noose, or you can open the gates. The early church fathers say to Christians, you have an internal city that you are guarding, whether you know it or not. And you must, through watchfulness, set up a guard 
at that city gate. If you do not, you are leaving the gates of the city to your heart, to your inner life, wide open, and any invader can come and wreak havoc inside of you. So friends, watchfulness is a teaching in Scripture. We saw it also in 2 Corinthians 10. I already read it. Paul talked about we're in battle, and he says to the Christians, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. The Apostle Paul was talking to the church at Corinth, and he's saying, guard the city. Guard your noose. Guard your spirit. And take Every thought captive? I was just talking with these high schoolers last week. Every thought captive. That's both a command and a promise. It means that you can be that watchful, that vigilant, so that as those thoughts come at you, you can frisk them. You can pat them down and say, is this a thought that's going to lead me and draw me closer to God? more into Christ-likeness, more love for other people or not. If it's not, I'm kicking you out. You're not getting in to my city. And so the scriptures are filled with these beautiful word pictures, watchfulness. Here's the second thing. I'm going to cover it quickly. We're looking at the life of Jesus. Actually, I'm just going to recap. In Matthew 4, Jesus is in the desert and what's happening with him in the desert before it's after his baptism and he goes to the desert and he's fasting, he's praying and what happens to him, church? He's tempted. The enemy comes to him and tempts him in three ways. Satan even quotes scripture to him and he tries to get him to misuse his power as the Messiah and he tries to get him to misuse it for provision for protection, and for praise or worship. And each time, you can go back and look at this, given what we're talking about today, what does Jesus do to refute the temptation of the enemy? What's he do? He quotes scripture. And what does he say precisely? He says three words before he quotes scripture. What is it? Let's say that. It is written. It is written. So I want us to be an it is written people. So during the day, you're being watchful over your heart. You're guarding it. And then following the example of Christ, you're doing what the early church fathers call counter speaking. The enemy brings those fiery darts and you are speaking back and saying no. It is written. And then you're bringing the sword of the spirit in the face of the enemy. Friends, this is grace-empowered work, but it requires diligence on your part. I've been practicing this for over 30 years, and I tell the, the young folks, you don't ever ease up on it. Now, you do gain more and more victory as you're watchful over your heart and as the Lord is renewing your mind and forming Christ in you, but you still are going to have to wage battle and win the war in your mind, and you can't go, you know what, I'm gonna tap out and take a vacation for 30 days. Do you know that doesn't work? I've tried it. Anybody else tried it? Think, I'm gonna take 30 days off, 
I am going to step out of the war and I'm going to sit on the spiritual beach and sip my nice little drink here. It doesn't work. You are in war and there is no letting up until you meet Jesus. Amen? That's a hard truth, but it is the truth. No matter how old you are, you've got to be watchful and you've got to learn to counter speak. You've got to say it is written. And that is an invitation to spending time in scripture on a daily basis and hiding the word of God in your heart and being able to access it in moments of battle. Young people, are you hearing me? Can you relate to having your noose under attack all day, every day? It's like flies. It's like hornets buzzing around all the time. And so I'm giving you biblical spray. Because when you go to school tomorrow or wherever you're going tomorrow, the flies are coming. The hornets are coming. And if you are being watchful and you're counter speaking and speaking the word of God and even doing it internally, sometimes in the day I'm speaking it out loud. The enemy comes to me with temptation and I'm saying it is written. I will be holy because the Lord my God is holy. It is written I will worship the Lord my God and serve him only, not you. So friends, we've got to be pretty serious about this. The last thing, and you are familiar with this, we've got watchfulness. What's the second thing? Counter speaking. The third one is the Jesus prayer. We know a little bit about it. These, these 10 words, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Can we say that together? Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Now, this is a gift from the early church. They poured over scripture and they came up with a prayer that comes straight from scripture and they gave this as a gift to the church for all time and they called it the arrow prayer of all arrow prayers. It is the protection against the enemy that can be with you at all times. And let me just see, those of you that have discovered and been practicing the arrow prayer. Do you mind waving at me? I, this is something that I would love for every person at All Saints to practice from the youngest to the oldest. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Is there a single situation where calling on the name of the Lord Jesus and praising him and receiving his mercy can't help you? There's not one, is there? I can't think of a single instance, whatever hornets are coming after you, anger, revenge, lust, unforgiveness, comparing yourself, insecurity about your person, your body, if you will call on the name of the Lord Jesus daily and during your week, he will go to work on your behalf. He will protect you, he will deliver you, and he will transform you as you guard your noose. So we could talk about this at length, but I just want to point out a few things. Write these down. I'm just going to read them to you, showing you that the Jesus prayer is rooted in the words of Scripture. Acts 28, 31. Talking about the Apostle Paul, he proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught 
about the Lord Jesus Christ. So that phrase that's in the Jesus prayer comes right out of scripture. Philippians 2, 9 to 11, Paul writes about the life, the humility, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. And he says that Jesus is given the name above all names so that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that he's Lord. So when you pray the Jesus prayer, you are putting your feet firmly planted in the truths of scripture. You're saying you are Lord Jesus Christ. You are the king. I'm surrendering to you right now in this moment, in the heat of the battle. You see it there in scripture? Mark 1 uses the phrase, Mark 1.1 uses the phrase, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. There it is, the second phrase. Then Luke 18. Go back and read Luke 18 today or tomorrow, and you will see people encountering Jesus, a blind man, and then a man who is turning to him in prayer, and they are saying, Lord, have mercy on me. And so, friends, when you pray the Jesus prayer, you're guarding your noose. I think it's one of the best ways to be watchful over the city of your heart, to watch over the eyes of your heart, even to counterspeak. You call on Jesus. Friends, it's not a rote prayer that belongs to the Catholics or to the Orthodox Church. The Jesus prayer is for all Christians. I remember when I first started praying it, it felt a little, a little wooden to me, but I found that that prayer began to go to work, and it took root in my heart, and it began to save my bacon on a daily basis. There is not a prayer, there is not a moment in battle where calling on the Lord Jesus Christ he won't meet you and come to you. If you do this and you practice this prayer regularly, some of you young people have been talking to me about it, you don't just say it verbally, it actually becomes a prayer of the heart. It will sink down deep into the fiber of your being and you will be a person throughout the day, no matter how busy you are, moms, business people, students, you can have the Jesus prayer swirling and praying throughout the day. Amen? We don't have time for this. Why don't we stand? I'm just going to declare a couple of things here. We're in battle, the battle of the mind. We have to practice certain things. We've got to be watchful. We've got to counter speak. It is written. And then the Jesus prayer, those 10 words can be with you 24-7. Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night, 2 a.m., anxiety is there, ready to eat on me like termites. And I will say, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. And I will begin to say it. Sometimes I wake up Amanda. She's like, are you okay, honey? And I'm like, yes, I'm just over here praying. I'm just battling some anxiety. And she rolls over and goes back to sleep. Friends, our victory is assured. Our victory is assured. So we hear about the war, we hear about our weapons, and Holy Scripture tells us in Revelation 12, 11, we overcome 
by three things. What are the three things we overcome with? The blood of the lamb, the word of our testimony, and by not loving our life even to the point of death. It means you're so in love with the Lord Jesus that you're willing to put your life on the line and cling to him. 1 John 4, 4 says that greater is the Holy Spirit, the one who is in you, than he who is in the world. Friends, our victory is assured through the blood of the Lamb, through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and then Romans 8 says nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are waking us up to the fact that we are in war and you have equipped us with powerful spiritual weapons. Most of all, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Lord, we pray you would grow us up, fill us up, and empower us in the coming days that we would be good soldiers of Christ Jesus, filled with love, filled with mercy. And we pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen, church. Man, it's so good to be together. Today, I had referenced this last week, but over here to your right and my left, we are actually serving communion, and we are trying our best to serve communion more consistently, more regularly, but it's going to take us a little bit of experimenting, learning how to do this. So I'm going to ask the ministry team to come up, if you would, and we are going to learn how to serve communion over here, to have folks go over, and to have our ministry team. And we want to see the Lord's table right in the center of what we're doing. So if you need healing in your body, you can come get prayer here. If you need a breakthrough, you can get prayer. You can also go and nourish yourself spiritually on the body and the blood of Christ. So can everybody, can we be gracious here and work together a little bit? We're going to have folks line up on the wall there. I think there's going to be quite a few, and we'll come up. You can receive the body and blood of Christ, and we're going to offer it in two ways. We'll have cups, but we also are going to practice something called intinction, where you can dip the bread in the cup, right? We're learning. I guess that's my third word for the day. Sorry about that. And we also have gluten-free bread, so you can mention that as well. So if you need a, a touch from the Lord, why don't you come up? You can receive prayer from one of these people. If you want to have communion, celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus, you can do that as well. We're going to linger in the Lord's presence. You can get your children and bring them back in here, and we're going to be in God's presence together doing some ministry and partaking of the Lord's Supper. Amen. Come up for prayer.